Hello, and just a quick little note before we jump into today's episode of the Slow Home Podcast. Um, we have had a little bit of an issue with our audio just in the intro section. Some reverberations. So um, Ben, the audio master, has done his utmost to ignore it and has asked <laughs> that you do the same. Um, it's it's like perfectly listenable, but uh, it's just not up to regular standards. So for that, we apologize. But uh, on with the podcast. Hello. 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 <laughs> I'm here. How are you going? Good. That's good. good. Um, this is not a hostful. No, it's not. It's not. Sorry it's to say. Episode 37. 38. 38. Episode 38. And usually we would, being the first Thursday of the month, the month of deck. Otherwise known as December to a normal person. Welcome to deck and um, apologies. You're something that kind of sounds like deck. <laughs> I do it because it annoys With a you. Kiwi accent. So we're saving our hostful for this month. We're saving it till the 17th of December because it's going to be a bumper, a bumper edition. It is. Yeah, no, it is. We, we decided to wait until the final episode of the year to do our last hostful. Yeah. So that'll be, yeah, December 17. Deck 17. And, um, yeah, we're, we're, we've got a lot to talk about in that episode, actually. Yeah. But don't despair because today is a cracking episode. You do. You have a lot to talk about this episode as well. Yes. Today I, I sit down and interview B Johnson from Zero Waste Home. Um, so I know some of you probably know a bit about B, but she is a warrior for creating a zero waste life. Warrior is the right word. Yeah, she's, um, she's very passionate about, you know, um, minimizing waste and her family, uh, her family of four, she has two teenage boys and her husband and herself over the past 12 months have produced en- uh, enough waste to fit in a small glass jar. Is un. That's it. Believable. Yeah. So B, uh, B and I talk a lot about what it means to live a zero waste life, what that actually looks like. If it's any harder than you know everyday life, she maintains that it's easier than you know than a life of convenience and excess and you know waste. And yeah, we have a really really good conversation about it. She's uh, like I said before, she's incredibly passionate and unapologetic about her her views on things, which I find really refreshing you know she's she's not at all coming at it from a place of judgment or anything like that because they her family and herself they're only kind of you know, six or seven years into living a zero waste life and previous to that they just did what everyone else does and um yeah she has some really really excellent tips and insights into how they got started and how she actually convinced her husband that it was a, a good move because he is actually a sustainability consultant but even he took some convincing wow. to get on board so you know how, how that kind of unfolded is really interesting as well it really is it fascinates me because it is something that i would love to do but in australia it's so hard because we actually don't we don't have it's 
Whole Foods sort of store, do we? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's where we live. Um, yeah. There's one that's maybe an hour's drive away. Where about? Um, in Katoomba. Mm-hmm. They have a bulk co-op shop. Mm. But beyond that, I mean, so, so there are definitely changes that we could implement like today. Yeah, and it, I reckon we should because it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating to me. And it's a really fascinating conversation. Um, and I hope a lot of people feel the same way about it. Uh, and look, I mean, the amazing thing about what she's talking about is that anyone can make these changes. Maybe not all of them, and definitely not all at once. Yeah, but not like do the year straight up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, I found it really inspiring. So I think um, you know, I hope people will will feel the same. But if you do want to find out more about B and her mission, you can just find her at zerowastehome dot com, and from there you'll find links to her social media. Uh, her book, she's written a book called Zero, The Zero Waste Home, which is full of amazing, fantastic resources and ideas and um, you know plans and things like that to achieve a zero waste lifestyle. Um, you can also find a link to her app, which is called Bulk, and that app lists stores in your kind of area, and it's searchable by you know postcode, zip code that that are bulk providers great unfortunately i couldn't find any in australia mm. so well um, even though that there's one at katoomba yeah i think it's just a matter of people submitting them to the oh, app right. as well well maybe we should submit that one to definitely the but um particularly if you're in north america yeah. i think that it's uh, it's a really great resource for finding uh local stores that offer you know, bulk bulk sales so um yeah i would definitely recommend that you check that out too clever play on you know on her website clever play on the Three R's, re, mm. reuse, reuse, well, we're used to re, reuse, re, reduce, reuse, recycle. She has, she, has an, she has an additional couple of R's yeah. and plays around with it a bit. It's funny. It's great. Yeah. So, but she, she does talk about that. Well done. Thanks. What for? It's a good conversation. Oh. <laughs> well done you. Thanks you. Our sponsor today is Patreon and you guys have heard us speak about uh, than before so patreon is um basically if you'd like to donate to the podcast to keep us uh running you can do by visiting patreon dot com forward slash slow where people uh subscribers have donated as little as a dollar a month and we're very very grateful um very grateful to the three amigos teresa Kirsty and M, who are our most recent donors. So thank you very patrons. much. Oh, patrons. Oh, yeah, patrons. They're, patrons. That's yeah. the play on the year. It's the whole thing. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have had people ask me recently whether or not it's possible to just make a one-off um, donation to Patreon. Um, as far as I can tell, there's no... like automatic way of doing that yeah. but um fairly you just easy to do it though. sign up make uh one one donation and once that has been taken from your paypal or your card then you can just cancel your um your your donation and you can cancel at any time oh yeah 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 you're not signed in for for any length of time it's just a, a matter of um going into your preferences and and um, clicking cancel so yeah if that's something that you would like to do and weren't sure if you're able you definitely can 
And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone so far who has who has donated through Patreon. It just helps us with the operational costs, um, hosting and all of those kind of things. So it does make a huge difference. And thank you, guys. Big thank you. I think that's it, though. Let's um, head on into the conversation with B and be sure to you know let us know what you think of the conversation because I know she has some really you know strong ideas about it and um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the podcast. Brooke, how are you? I'm, I'm really well. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, you're welcome. We had, we've had a bit of a time getting, um, <laughs> getting together with my internet situation, but it's, it's good to chat with you finally. Well, that's the, the beauty of internet, right? Isn't it? <laughs> you can go through some frustration periods. I know. It's, yeah, that's been my, the second half of my year, but it's all good. Touch wood. We're back. We're back on track. Um, so I figure we may as well just jump straight into it um, and talk about your zero waste lifestyle and, um, you know, some of the history behind it, how you came to, to live that way and, and some of the challenges and some of the benefits. But, um, I mean, you and your family have been living zero waste for like about five years or so. Um, can you tell me just really briefly, what does it mean to live a zero waste life? life? Like, is it um, literally creating zero rubbish or, um, you know, is it, what, what does it look like in, in reality for you guys? So we actually started back in 2008. Uh, so my kids have actually today lived um, without waste longer than they have with waste. And uh, for us, a zero waste lifestyle means um, uh, basically applying five rules in order. Uh, it, uh, it's about refusing the things that we do not need, reducing the things that we do need uh, reusing by swapping anything that's disposable for a reusable alternative and buying secondhand when we do need to buy something, then recycling only what we cannot refuse, reduce or reuse, and finally uh, rotting, uh, that is uh, composting the rest. Uh, so today, uh, with my family, we generate uh, just uh, one jar of waste per year. And uh, we found that the zero waste lifestyle is nothing that we would have expected it to be. Um, it's not time constraining. It doesn't cost more money. It's all the contrary. Um, it actually saves us quite a bit of money, 40% actually. And, uh, and it saves a lot of time, obviously, uh, through uh, voluntary simplicity, uh, the act of refusing and reducing. Uh, lead to a minimalist lifestyle and uh, so that the zero waste lifestyle is translated for us into a life based on experiences instead of things on the on the uh, verb to be instead of to have right um uh, were you always kind of interested in uh, minimalism or did you come at it from from your experiences of, of setting up a zero waste life yeah, so what happened was that uh, back in 2006, we were living out in the suburbs of San Francisco, uh, about 30 minutes out, and uh, we lived in a large home uh, with a, a SUV and a, and a pond and large refrigerators, <laughs> kind of everything that to me represented the American dream. 
And uh, after seven years of living this way, uh, we kind of got tired of having to uh, take the car to go anywhere. Uh, our house was located in a cul-de-sac and just to go uh, to the grocery store, to schools, movie theater, restaurants, we had to get into the car. So we got tired of that and we wanted to get closer to a downtown, a more active downtown, so we could have things within walking distance. Uh, so uh, we decided to relocate to Mill Valley uh, across the bay of San Francisco. But uh, before finding the ideal home, we rented an apartment for a year and we only moved in with the necessities. Uh, we put everything else in storage. And during that year, we found that by living with less, all of a sudden we had more time in our hands to do the things that we enjoy doing. Uh, all of a sudden we had more time to spend with uh, family, friends, go on picnics, uh, go for hikes, uh, spend more time basically in nature. And, uh, and then thanks to that voluntary simplicity, uh, we also decided to turn off TV, cable, um, uh, newspaper subscriptions, magazine subscriptions, uh, junk mail. And uh, we uh, all of a sudden that um, basically gave us more time to educate uh, ourselves on environmental issues. So we watched documentaries, we read some books, and what we discovered really made us sad, thinking about the future that we were going to leave behind for our kids. And that's when uh, we decided to do something about it, to, do, to change our uh, way of, uh, or to change our consumption habits. Uh, so my husband quit his job to start a sustainability consulting company, and I tackled the home. So slowly, I, you know, I simply at that time had decided to green my life. Uh, and back then, the term zero waste was only used to describe uh, manufacturing practices or waste management practices, but they were not really used uh, in the uh, household or, you know, area. So, um, but as we greened our lives, I came to really, um, I started taking my totes to the store. I but then we said no to bottles of water and we decided to only use uh, reusables. Um, and then little by little, we were able to eliminate uh, all wasteful aspects um, of our household practices. And, uh, and then I, I was getting a lot of questions from my friends. So that's uh, I decided to um, write a blog. Uh, and it's called Zero Waste Home. And then eventually that turned into a book, which uh, is also called Zero Waste Home. Uh, but that was really to share what we've learned through this lifestyle and to share every, uh, basically every aspect of how we live and how we've been able to reduce our waste. I love what you were saying about, um, you know, you came to this, this huge kind of sad realization about the environment and what we're doing to, to it through overconsumption and, uh, you know, the, the packaging and everything like that. But what you did was, was, sort of little by little and day by day make these changes and I think that would be really encouraging for people I know it's encouraging for me because sometimes I guess we can look at um, the incredible way that you're living now and think that it's so far removed from where we are in our current lives that it's it's you know unachievable so to hear you talk about making those kind of day by day little by little shifts is really encouraging um when you were kind of starting to think about it, particularly as this zero-waste lifestyle, what were the things that you would look at and think that it was just too difficult or too daunting or too hard? And then maybe how, um, you know, how, did, how did you kind of arrive at, at making that leap and, and dealing with those obstacles? 
So thinking back about our journey, um, what I realized, you know, when you when we started, we because everything was gradual, it didn't feel like so much of a burden or mm. nothing really seemed that difficult because we were, at least I was very, very motivated, uh, even more than my husband, because he had his own way of looking at zero waste to him. He was, oh, we should only deal with it in large corporations. That's how he told me. Uh, and I, I did not agree with him. I said, I really believe that the consumer is the one that has the power to change things because um, uh, manufacturers only make what we buy. So if we buy better, they'll make better things. So um, so I was really uh, the one at home leading all these things. Um, or, you know, really taking us to zero waste. And uh, I came to realize at one point that I had gone too far when um, at one point I... I was making my own butter, my own cheese, my own uh, bread, uh, my own soy milk. Um, and I came to realize that that was not sustainable for our household to do this. Uh, both my husband and I work uh, full-time jobs. And uh, making all these things from scratch was just not something that we could see ourselves doing for the rest of our lives. Um, so for us, really, the challenge was to find our... Um, our equilibrium and find our balance in all this. And uh, uh, that's when we let go of all those extremes. I decided, well, instead of making my own bread, then I can probably just buy it in a cloth bag. So today I take a pillowcase to the bakery and they simply slip the uh, uh, the bread into the pillowcase. Instead of making my own cheese, I simply bring a glass jar to the counter and uh, they put it in my jar and then um, and that's it. So it's uh, it was really for us, finding our balance was the most important thing and that's what I urge everyone to do. And like you mentioned, it's all about applying, um, applying these tips uh, or these practices slowly and then uh, really find or stick to the ones that you can see yourself doing for the long term. Uh, for us, Zero Waste was never a, uh, a short-term project because we went in it very gradually and in our head it was just, a, it's it's really uh, a lifestyle. So uh, today all the things that we have adopted are things that we can see doing for the rest of our lives. And actually um, those methods are so simple and they've made our lives so much easier that we could never envision going back to the way we used to live. I think it's that's really refreshing to hear you say, you know, that you, you kind of jumped right in the deep end with making everything yourself and feeling this kind of this this expectation or desire initially to to kind of make everything from scratch, but then dialing it back when you realise that that's actually not sustainable. Because I think sometimes when people come across these these kind of big lifestyle shifts, they do feel that pressure of you know, if, if I'm not making everything from scratch, if I'm not doing everything perfectly, then it's not good enough. You know, we kind of fall into this trap of of feeling we have to do every single part of it, particularly all at once in the beginning. I just think it's really refreshing to hear you, who's someone who's adopted this lifestyle completely, to still say that you actually need to find a balance because I guess there would be a point where it would become defeating um like you say this is about living a life of experiences and you know many positive things and to kind of spend all of your time stressing about doing it right would be defeating of that 
And I can see that, you know, hundreds of blogs have now emerged from mine um, about, you know, and my book has inspired thousands and thousands of people to adopt this zero waste lifestyle throughout the world. And I see a bunch of blogs being created and, and there is way too much talking about making things from scratch. Uh, I think it's uh, it's exciting to discover that you can make, for example, mustard instead of buying it. But uh, there is just too much, I think, uh, talking about making things from scratch when you can actually uh, find other ways of getting those things without having to, uh, without creating waste. So um, I think no matter what, even if I say don't worry about making so much things, so many things from scratch, people still, I think it's a natural thing. Like you were saying, people tend to think that. That's what they have to do, and uh, it's up to them to find their balance. There is only so much that I can say and recommend, but I think everyone has to figure it out <laughs> uh, in a way for themselves. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And um, and I guess maybe that's part of, part of the fun in the beginning as well is is to try those things, but then to be able to let go and say, actually, I can't do everything, and that's okay. Is it's really it's just refreshing and kind of liberating to to think about it. Um, when uh, you first kind of started making these big changes, how you had you've got you've got kids yourself. Um, how old were your children when you started making these big changes? My kids were like uh, seven and eight, I believe. Um, but uh, what's interesting is that they didn't even notice mm-hmm. that we were doing zero waste until I pointed it out to them. Um, I took my kids to uh, a field trip with school. Uh, we went to the local health food store, and in front of all the bulk uh, bins, the teacher asked why it's a good idea to uh, buy your food in bulk. And uh, my kids just stood there and did not say anything. And then it just dawned on me on my way home that, after all, I'm the shopper, right? I mean, I'm, it's not my kids doing the grocery shopping. Zero waste is actually what we do outside the home. It's when we buy in bulk, when we buy secondhand. And these uh, decisions are things, I mean, are decisions that I make as the, um, you know, the mother of the household. I'm the one that consumes. I'm the one that buys all those things for the family. Uh, so it was up to me to change those things. So um, once I got home from the, the field trip, uh, I opened our pantry and I asked my son, do you notice anything different in our pantry from other pantry? And he said, no. And well, that's because um, kids have very simple needs. And even though my pantry was already uh, free of packaging, as long as kids, you know, come home uh, uh, to a snack that they like, as long as they have a cereal that they like in the morning, as long as they're wearing clothes that they enjoy, then there is no, you know, they're happy. They don't need anything else. I think in general, it's parents that create complicated needs for their children. But our kids have totally adapted to this lifestyle without really thinking about what we were truly after or truly doing. Now, we've had about 40 different TV crews uh, from all over the world coming through our house, so they obviously understand that what we do is unusual, but they feel totally normal. They have normal friendships. Uh, They have friends coming over like everyone else. Uh, They go to other people's houses like everyone else. Uh, When their friends come over, they'll say, wow, your house looks very futuristic because it is... Um, minimalist for sure uh, but they uh, you know they're welcome into our home as they would elsewhere 
with a plate of cookies and a glass of milk or, uh, you know, some uh, uh, snack or whatever. So, um, and it's not like my kids' friendships are also based on how much their friends consume uh, and their friends are not considering uh, my kids' friendship or dropping my kids' friendship because we are minimalist. It has nothing to do with all that. So, uh, if you have strong friendships, they'll just... Uh, you know, it, the, the consumption does not matter in the friendships, or they shouldn't. I think that's so interesting because I think that's one of the the big obstacles that people will put up for themselves when they're starting to make these shifts, or even into minimalism, or into a zero waste lifestyle, or into in just a simpler way of living. People are really nervous about how their kids will take to it, or what what difficulties they will have, or what they will feel like they're missing out on and to just kind of say you know kids needs are simple and if we overcomplicate it then that's us overcomplicating it not necessarily the kids so uh, I just think that that's an awesome way of looking at it and um, I mean I think it probably yeah it's it's helpful I guess the younger that kids are introduced to these ideas I don't know what it would be like to introduce a really radical lifestyle shift when your kids are older and maybe teenagers and really sit in there if your kids are teenagers it might be more difficult because you know no matter anyways no matter how you raise your kids when they are teenagers they rebel anyway so <laughs> um, but uh, what what uh, you know my kids are actually what they are really proud of uh, you know they even for myself, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't have a big smile on my face because I only generate a jar of waste per year. I have a big smile on my face because today I live a life based on experiences. And that's the same for my children. They are really excited about that. We've been able to do things that we would have never been able to do if it wasn't for zero waste. Um, and their friends know it too. Uh, they, their friends, uh, and I, I only know it because I get feedback from their parents. Uh, but, uh, I have uh, my kids, um, uh, the, the, the parents come to me and say, gosh, I mean, my, my children keep telling me, gosh, we, we should be doing just like the Johnsons. The Johnsons are doing this, they're doing that. That is so cool. They live such great experiences. Uh, so we're able to, uh, uh, to pass on our message just simply through the way we live. And I think that's, that's it, isn't it? You know, the way that you live actually allows you to have the kind of life that you want to live. Like the, the lifestyle supports the life that you want, not the other way around. You know, it's not the... In a, in a, back in the day when we were just consuming like uh, everyone else, our, our money was basically uh, spent or invested towards the landfill, right? Because every time you buy something that is, uh, that is meant for the landfill, it's literally investing your money in the landfill. It's literally throwing your money out the window. Uh, today, we've replaced all the throwaways with reusable alternatives. For example, we no longer use paper towels. We use rags instead. Uh, we no longer use uh, paper uh, uh, tissues. We use um, uh, the cloth ones, we no longer use paper napkins, we use cloth ones, etc. Um, so today, because we've replaced all these throwaways with reusable alternatives, then we're able to accumulate savings. And we've been able to, instead of uh, spending our money into these things, uh, instead invest our money in experiences, in- invest our money in moments, uh, or I mean, basically in activities that we can do together. I guess that that's um, the payoff for convenience you know we can pay for a single use item because it's quote unquote convenient but the if you look at it like you guys have done and as a long kind of term view 
Even speaking of the convenience of disposables, if you really truly think about them, they're not convenient at all because you actually have to keep going to the store to buy them. Whereas when you actually have uh, washables, you only have, I mean, you brought them in once into your home. When you replace, uh, for example, uh, paper towels for rags, you no longer have to the store to buy those things. You no longer have to log them into your car, take them up the steps to your, uh, to your home. You no longer have to have storage for these things. You no longer have to uh, dispose of the, the material itself or the packaging uh, and then take the packaging down to the curb for the trash, uh, you know, uh, truck to pick it up. Uh, you no longer have to then go to the store to get more. So, uh, and that's the case. That's an example for one item. We've been able to eliminate all disposable items. So it's uh, that's another way um, uh, of showing that how much time we're actually saving by by simply uh, using reusables. Um, it's just a lot of time saved from uh, going to the store. Yeah, I think convenience is a myth. It's a myth that we kind of that we tell ourselves because on the face of it, it's easier, and that's probably advertising certainly has a, a hand in that too. Um, can you tell me does the yeah does the, the zero waste lifestyle come up against your tendency for minimalism? Like, do you um, because because you're using you know reusable uh, bottles and jars and things like that and bags do you need to keep things around that you might use one day um or do you you know do you let things go if they're not going to be immediately um useful okay so um people tend to think that because we're talking about reusables and i I have to say i did the same um when i used to hear the term reuse all i could picture was a counter filled with uh, dispose, I mean, uh, basically uh, jars uh, to be reused. Uh, I would have pictured uh, tons and tons of um, uh, grocery, uh, reusable grocery bags um, and like lots of uh, rags and lots of napkins. No, in our case, uh, we've again reduced these things. So we only have the ones that we truly need. So for example, in the case of uh, reusable grocery bags, we don't have 10, we don't have 20, we just have three because three is just the number that I found uh, works for our family. Um, in the case of uh, cloth napkins, uh, we don't have hundreds of cloth napkins. Uh, we just have a stack of 25. We don't have different types of cloth napkins. We only have one set and we have 25 of them so that when we have uh, parties at our house, uh, we'll be able to use them in lieu of disposables. However, um, people also need to understand that we don't use reusables the way that people are used to using disposables. Uh, For example, if you're going to have a party of, let's say, uh, 50 people at your house and you're going to have paper napkins for your buffet or your meal, you better um, purchase or plan for at least 100 paper napkins because people um, take them, they lose them, they pick another one. I mean, if I would say 100 is the minimum if you're going to have 50 people at your house. Uh, whereas we found that when we've had 50 people at our house, all we need is really uh, a stack of 25 napkins because people really respect the napkin way more than they do a disposable one. So, and when we use them uh, during the week for our family, for our meals or whatever, uh, it's not like we use them once and then we wash it. No, we just, uh, we use it for the week 
and then we wash it. So again, it's about really thinking about uh, not for one thing, being so afraid of germs. And I think also the, the being afraid of germs is what's leading this uh, uh, consumption frenzy. Um, but uh, on the other hand, really think about your consumption and uh, and use your reusables as they were meant to in the old days. Uh, not as, uh, not, don't simply use them as you would a disposable. I think there's so much of what you just said that I'm just I'm sitting here nodding my head at. Um, I definitely think the the whole fear campaign of you know germs and um, you know reusing items is a huge part of it because we just you know we're surrounded by messaging telling us that um, that that kind of if we don't use something once and throw it away then those germs are going to kind of cover every surface in our home and we're all going to get sick. <laughs> Well, and that's also the, what the marketers are doing about um, about cleaning products, for example. So underneath my sink in the old days, it was filled with cleaning products because I was listening to marketers. Marketers tell us that for each application, we need a different product. To clean the bathroom, we need a product. To clean stainless, we need a different product. To clean the kitchen, a different product. The floor, a different product. The windows, a different product, etc., etc. Today, in our home, uh, if you look underneath our sink, we actually don't have any of these products anymore. We found that we're able to clean the whole house simply with the water and white vinegar, uh, which we mix in a spray bottle. And uh, and we use a, a very simple soap, Castile soap. It's a natural soap um, that we use... Uh, in a pump at the sink and we use that soap for example to um, uh, wash our hands wash the dishes wash the floor wash the dog um, and it's uh, I think minimalism is also about finding products that are multifunctional and really uh, believing in yourself that or trusting your gut trusting that the products uh, or the natural um, solutions out there are good enough. We don't need to listen to what the marketers are telling us. All they want is not, they don't want the, uh, the, the what they really want is, is our money. So if we stop listening to them, then we can really trust that the natural solutions that we already know and that were passed down from our grandparents um, are good enough. That's really interesting. When I made the shift a few years ago to cleaning our house with with the same, just white vinegar and water and a bit of soap um, and maybe some bicarb soda if I need to. But um, it took me a long time to stop worrying that maybe I was doing, um, you know, doing, which is ridiculous, doing a harm by not eliminating germs. You know, it's just crazy. But it took me time to kind of reprogram myself to, to not be worrying about that. Like just like you say, trust that these things are working and not kind of buy into the marketing and that, the hype and the sales jargon. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, we've noticed that we're actually uh, way less sick than we used to before. Um, I think uh, maybe it's because, you know, I mean, the, really the, the germs that they're telling us about uh, are actually good for us. We need some germs uh, because otherwise we are basically breeding the really big, <laughs> the big bad uh, bugs that will become a real problem. Um, and, and also, for example, at one point I had, um, well, my husband had a chronic uh, sinus infections ever since we've adopted a, a zero waste lifestyle that we uh, live minimal, uh, that we live simply and that we've eliminated all these toxic products. My husband simply does not have those sinus, he hasn't had a sinus infection in years. I also used to have, um, um, uh, 
an eye infection, like a pink eye, um, conjunctivitis. And I would get those conjunctivitis uh, issues every six months. And uh, now that I have switched to making my own mascara, and I make my own mascara because it's one of those uh, few things that I cannot purchase in bulk, um, and I make it with just a, a very a couple of ingredients that I, I am able to purchase in bulk, and they are edible in themselves, so I can totally trust uh, their, um, you know, their, their ingredients. Um, then once I've, uh, since I've adopted this uh, homemade mascara, I have not had one conjunctivitis. So uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that, you know, they tell us, oh, you got to throw away your mascara every six months because otherwise you'll get an eye infection or whatever. Um, the, the last recipe of mascara I made was uh, <laughs> three years ago, and I still have uh, had no conjunctivitis, I, I, no problem at all. Uh, we just have to stop listening to the bogus uh, marketing claims. Exactly, because like you say, they have a job and that job is to, to get our money from us and give it to them. Um, could I go back to something that you mentioned earlier. Um, you said initially you were much more enthusiastic about making these changes than your husband. Um, and that's something I'm asked about a lot. You know, if one partner in a relationship is more enthusiastic about a certain aspect of these changes, um, what did you do to to kind of... Um, you know, continue on that way. Did you just take take ownership of the changes yourself and and just sort of push through with them, or did you guys have a period where you spoke about it a lot, or um, you know, was there a way that you kind of came to an agreement on on the actions that you were going to take? So my husband was not really on board at first because he thought that what we were doing was costing us more. And uh, since he had quit his job to source the sustainability consulting company uh, in the midst of the recession, financially, uh, he felt that uh, he was really worried um, because he saw I was buying reusables um, because at first you need to invest a little bit in buying reusables. You can buy them secondhand. I mean, they really don't cost much. Um, and actually, a lot of the reusables I'm talking about, you already have in your home. But I was also going to the uh, farmer's market and the health food store, which have a reputation of being more expensive. So I, uh, because my husband was so worried about uh, the cost, and, and it's also one of the questions that people kept asking me on the blog, I uh, urged my husband to uh, compare our bank statements uh, and compare uh, basically our zero-waste lifestyle with our lifestyle of before. And he, that's, uh, that's when he found that we were saving 40% on our overall spending. And Scott is really a numbers guy. And once he saw that number, <laughs> he said, Amen, Bea. Go for it. I totally believe you now. Uh, I'm on. So I think it's about finding um, the little thing that will make your partner click. And in that case, for my husband, is it's the finances. It's numbers. Uh, and he hasn't looked. Uh, you know, he hasn't. He hasn't turned back. I mean, he's fully on board now, and uh, um, and very supportive of uh, our zero waste lifestyle. I love that because I think when you can make when you kind of speak the other person's language in in terms of showing them a benefit, uh, and you can say like this is a real tangible benefit. You know, this is the amount that we're saving, or this is the space that we're freeing up, or these are the experiences we're going to be able to have. And you kind of you can deliver them to them and say, see, you know, this is what I'm working towards. I love that. Yeah, and I think I think what was hard also to him at first was the, the decluttering process because he did not see the point of decluttering if. 
you know, it's not hurting anyone. It's just, uh, you know, if it's in his closet or whatever, it's not, you know, he doesn't see the, the benefit of donating it. Uh, but I had to explain to him that when we hold on to things, we're basically keeping those items, which are very, uh, usable, they're very uh, precious resources in themselves. Um, we are keeping them from being useful to someone else. And then we're basically forcing these people that are trying to find items secondhand, we're forcing them to buy new. It's extremely important to know how to share the resources that we're not truly using uh, on a regular basis uh, with uh, the community. When we donate things that we're not truly using, we put them back on the market, we boost the secondhand market, which is very important for the future of zero waste. Um, and uh, we basically make those items available to others so that they can find them. Um, I had at one point, uh, was invited to the Green Awards, uh, which I won, so I'm really happy about that. But uh, I was invited to bring a guest and uh, I chose to bring my uh, 12-year-old and uh, I could not find um, a black suit for him for the event. And yet I knew that there was, um, you know, a black suit, uh, size 12, sitting in someone's closet in my neighborhood. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's why it's very important to know how to share those things or not truly using so that uh, we can make them available to others. They are in themselves uh, valuable resources. I think that's so important to understand because, you know, we're holding on to these things. And I guess when they're sitting in our cupboards or, you know, in our garages or in our attics, we, we tend to not think about them in that way. We don't think of them as precious resources. But when you think about everything that's gone into manufacturing them, even the simplest, most mundane of items, they, they really, they genuinely are precious resources. And I, I really like the way that you flipped that and you're saying, you know, if you don't, we're doing a disservice to the community if we continue to hold on to these things and not use them. I think that's that's a really um, a really yeah. kind of liberating way of looking at it, and might make it easier for people to let go as well. Yes, definitely. Um, do you think that that there is a shift happening in the wider community towards an understanding of of both zero waste living, but also just more conscious consumption and more um, you know, more environmentally sustainable choices. Do you think there's that shift happening? Definitely. No question about it. Um, I mean, maybe it's because I am, uh, you know, at the foremost, uh, um, I'm really in the middle of all this, but um, I, I am definitely uh, seeing a shift um, just uh, from the feedback I get from people, uh, whether it's uh, followers on Facebook or Twitter or just the messages that I uh, receive uh, in my inbox. Um, it's just uh, thousands and thousands of people uh, have been inspired to adopt this Yoway's lifestyle, uh, but also some some of them have even gone further into uh, opening their own zero-waste stores. And uh, today I receive emails every week about people that have been inspired to uh, open a zero-waste store, whether it is uh, in Australia, in Quebec, in Switzerland, in Belgium. It's really all over the place. Um, and, uh, and even large corporations themselves are seeing this movement grow uh, because they come to me uh, asking for um, basically some uh, advice on how to best uh, reach uh, this community. 
um, and how to embark on this movement or how to either change the products that they have or adapt their products or uh, make uh, different products to attract uh, the uh, you know the zero wasters to uh, their their brand. So um, I'm definitely seeing a shift and the zero waste lifestyle um, movement uh, goes in line with the tiny house movement, uh, the uh, collaborative consumption movement, uh, the minimalist movement. All of these movements are basically talking all about the same thing. It's, uh, you know, we don't need uh, lots of stuff uh, in order to live a good life. It's quite the contrary. Uh, the less we have, uh, the richer life becomes. And that's the thing I hear like time and time and time again, you know, the less stuff I have the um, and people sort of talking about how they didn't realize how heavy their stuff was until they didn't have it anymore. They didn't realize how much it was stopping them from living the kind of life that they were dreaming of until they let it go. And I think you're right. You know, all of those movements, they really do all belong to the same kind of shift in, in many people's thinking away from stuff and towards experiences and people. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's basically like what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation. Uh, you know, you, you were championing the grassroots personal, you know, in-home kind of changes and your husband was championing the, the, you know, the big corporations kind of making changes. Um, but really it's because people like yourself and people who have adopted this lifestyle, are, they're becoming such a force in society that now the, the organization, the, the corporations are large organizations. They want to engage with you, not the other way around. And I think that's really exciting and kind of says that anyone in any situation can start making changes and start making a difference. Lifestyle um, all over the world. And uh, uh, what I uh, basically end my, uh, my speech with is uh, if you can only remember one thing from my speech is that uh, buying is voting. Every time you go out there and purchase something, you're either supporting a sustainable practice or an unsustainable one. Every time you buy a packaged product, it's a way for you to say, I love packaging and I want a world uh, filled with packaging uh, in my kid's future and that's what will happen. Uh, same when we take uh, junk mail straight from the mailbox and throw it into the recycling bin. It's a way for us to say, I love junk mail, please send me more and more will be sent out to you. Uh, if we don't act against those things, then we won't change anything. It's very important to think about uh, the power of your purchase and the power of your voice. If you're not, um, if you feel that you don't have bulk in your area and please download my app bulk uh, because you all realize that bulk is everywhere but uh, if you find that you're forced into buying a product that is packaged and you're not happy about it then let your voice be heard contact the manufacturer propose alternatives because if you don't nothing will change it's very important uh, to understand that and uh, please let your voice be heard absolutely we have the power um just last question to finish up um What's the one thing that people can do today, like right now in this moment, to start their move towards a zero waste life? So as I mentioned earlier, our lifestyle is really based on the, the five rules that I mentioned, refusing, reducing, reusing, recycling, and rotting. Uh, so the first step uh, to a zero waste lifestyle is to refuse because the five rules are actually to be applied in order. And the most uh, important rule is to refuse the things that we do not need. Uh, because today in this uh, consumer society, we're the targets of many marketing goods 
goods, uh, whether it's junk mail uh, or uh, the freebies, um, such as plastic bags, but also um, party favors or uh, samples. Or um, uh, even if you go to a conference, you'll be given like a, a free pen. But who really needs a free pen? <laughs> I think everyone has enough pens in their in their household to last a lifetime. And uh, every time we take that pen that we do not need, we're creating a demand to make more. Every time we take that pen, more oil will be drilled from the ground to create a replacement. So it's important to say no to these things. And uh, once you learn how to say no, and it, it does take uh, practice, and it's uh, you know obviously a mental uh, uh, exercise to uh, be uh, get, get used to simply saying no or really thinking twice about accepting anything that's handed out to you. Uh, but once you really start refusing for real, you'll be amazed how much stuff you'll be able to stop uh, from coming into your home, how much clutter you'll be able to stop from coming into your home. And uh, and that's definitely the first step to a zero-waste lifestyle. It's as simple as refusing the things that you do not need. That's a, that's a really good place to wrap up, I think. But before I let you go, I just want to say congratulations for you know your success and the, the, the impact you're having on people. It's, it's enormous. And I'm just seeing more and more people kind of getting on board. So I think um, the work that you're doing is, is awesome. So well done. Congratulations. Well, thanks so much, Brooke. And thanks for this uh, podcast. I'm really excited to be participating in it. And uh, I thank you for helping me spread the, the, the good news about the Zero Waste Lifestyle. Oh, it's a pleasure. Anytime. So, um, but yeah, p- thank you very much. I'll um, I'll point everyone towards your your website and your book in the show notes as well. But they can find you at zerowastehome.com as well. Um, yeah, but thank you so much. Thank you, Brooke. Have a good day. You too. has been another episode of the slow home podcast if you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe via itunes and leave us a rating or a review thanks for listening